This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. You listen to Randy Travis with Through the Fire here on Faith FM. We have come to our Encounter with God section of the day. Another reminder, we are collecting stories. We need to hear stories of religious discrimination because it's only by stories and examples of what has taken place that we can have good uh, religious freedom uh, legislation in this country. Mm. Uh, We will be making a submission to the... Um, to the Australian government in relationship to the second version of the Religious Freedom Bill that will be going through the Religious Liberty Department. And so if you give us a call, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 if you have ever been discriminated against on the basis of religion, then we need to hear your story so that we can make a very... um, yeah, a, a, an, an accurate and a real uh, submission to the Australian government in relationship to this. Uh, they have not rushed this through Parliament. They are taking their time to get it right. As Michael Worker pointed out, the first version was a four out of six. The, the current version is a sorry, a four out of ten. The current version is up to a six out of ten, so that's a definite improvement. We're super glad to... Uh, have that improvement, but there is a long way that we can go in improving this piece of legislation. So please give us a call. Uh, The other announcement that we need to make, of course, is about our app, the Faith FM Australia app. Uh, You need to be downloading that app. It is just truly amazing. You can listen to the show all over the world on that app. You can run it through your car, your headset, your Bluetooth, your... uh, Put it in your, um, put it through the speakers in your earmuffs mm. if you're working in a workshop. You know, whatever it might be, um, grab the app. That's where you can find all of your podcasts and articles and a place to donate and make contributions. And the list just goes on and on and on. Then also we need to mention several Christmas programs that have been mentioned to us. So Narara uh, on the Central Coast down there near Gosford is having a Christmas program. Begins at nine thirty in the morning for morning tea. Uh, I think I announced 10.30, but it's 9.30 for morning tea. Uh, East Maitland is having a Christmas service that begins at 10 o'clock. This is uh, Narara Seventh-day Adventist Church and East Maitland Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, begins at 10 o'clock. Um, and that program will be followed by lunch. Um, and Raymond Terrace starts at what time? Uh, 9.15 for brekkie. And Lawson is preaching. Yeah. The subject is... Uh, Christmassy stuff. <laughs> no. To be well, announced. <laughs> well, it's gonna be. It's gonna involve the wise men. Okay. It's gonna involve a little. My favorite part of the Christmas story is the wise men. It really is. Oh, it's magi is the best. Yes. So I'm gonna talk, talk. Be talking about a little bit about that. Yep. I'm gonna be talking about how that relates to the end of time. Yes. And we're gonna be talking about how God is good. Amen. Yes. So just come, free lunch. Free brekkie. I oh, see so you doing breakfast and lunch. So I've got yeah. one church here that's doing breakfast, the other's doing lunch. You going going to do both? Raymond doing breakfast and lunch, oh. and I'm speaking. Okay, now I know that wherever you are, you know if you're in Tasmania or Adelaide or wherever you are around the country, maybe Perth, there are going to be lots of other churches that are going to be running Christmas programs. So if your church is running a Christmas program, then uh, just let us know mm. when and where and details, and we will mention it here on Faith FM. We want to get as many of those uh, um, to be mentioned here as we possibly can. Okay, let's see. What else do we need to talk about? I think that's all. Where are we up to in our study? Oh, oh the quiz, the quiz, the quiz, the quiz, the quiz. Get us with the quiz. What okay, here we go. What am I? The Lord commanded Jeremiah to make one of these and place it on his own neck. What do you place on your neck? Well, no, nah, that doesn't actually help. Because really... we don't put these things on our necks. No, like... It was unusual that... God asked him Jeremiah to put it on his neck rather than something else's neck. This is just, just this is obscure. This is. If you answer this one seriously, you got. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give two two prizes. No, I am going to give two prizes because this is so obscure. Mm. I'm going to give two prizes if you can answer this one before the next 
clue comes out. The next, oh, clue, yeah, is okay, about, okay. The next clue is about maybe 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did Jeremiah, what did God tell Jeremiah to place on his neck? Mm. Uh, if you can find that in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to send you double prizes and bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Ezra chapter 9. Ooh, Ezra. Ezra chapter 9. I just turned to Nehemiah. I just assumed... Oh, yeah, because yeah, we've been in Nehemiah most of the time. Mm. And this Bible study has been about Ezra and Nehemiah. But we spent a lot of time in Nehemiah. Let's go to Ezra the scribe. What did Ezra the scribe have to say about intermarriage? We didn't talk about <laughs> intermarriages. It's sort of, uh, yeah, we need to, um, anyway, interesting Bible study. Ezra chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, please, Lawson. When these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me and said, Many of the people of Israel and even some of the priests and Levites have not kept themselves separate from other peoples living in the land. They have taken up the detestable practice of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jezebites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the, and the and Amorites. For the men of Israel have married women from these people and have taken them as wives for their sons. So the holy races become polluted by these mixed marriages. Worse yet, the leaders and officials have led the way in this outrage. Okay, so this is an outrage that we've got right here. And it talks about the holy race uh, being polluted by intermarriages, Mm -hmm. which indicates that interracial marriages are wrong. Like it doesn't, but it kind of does. It sounds that way, doesn't it? think about it in that light. And this is where when you find something like this in Scripture, you have to dig a little bit more deeply and find out, okay, what's the issue here? Mm. And you're going to find, you know, if you take this passage on its own, you could make an argument that interracial marriages are wrong. Mm. Okay, let me say this. Cross cultural marriages now i'm saying cross cultural not interracial mm-hmm. there is a difference between the two i mean let's face it we've got so many chinese people here in australia that were born in this country they are australian born they have australian culture mm. you know um even though they are of a different race to myself who was a who is considered to be a white Australian with uh, a bit of uh, Sri Lankan thrown in. You're just white Australian. I'm just white as it gets. Um, Compared to indigenous Australians. You know, we're all Mm. different races. Mm. You know, how do in fact, we have to ask ourselves this question in a country like Australia, how do you avoid interracial marriage? We're all (laughs) such a hodgepodge of races. Mm. Uh, However, we probably should spend a little bit of time talking about cross-cultural marriages. Mm. I have a cross-cultural marriage. Mm. And there have been times in the past where there has been some very good advice, I believe, given not to engage in cross-cultural marriages. Which you obviously didn't take. Which I obviously and clearly did not take. (laughs) Uh, And I think there are probably circumstances in many parts of the world where you would be very wise not to engage in a cross cultural marriage i don't think that it, i don't think that exists here in australia in any way shape or form hmm. why do i say that is it wrong is it morally wrong to marry somebody of a different cultural background to yourself no no absolutely not and the bible makes that a Abundantly clear. Mm. However, there are some countries in which the social pressures that you will be placed under, if you do that, are going to make your marriage prohibitively hard. Mm. And God is not about, and wise people are not going about making uh, life hard for people. They are all about making life easier for people. Mm. And so... If, you know, obviously God is about making life easy and and people that recommend against these things, you know, and their counsel, I think, is wise in many of these cases. The reason being is not because of the morality, but because of the difficulty. Mm. Modern day marriages face a tremendous amount of pressure Mm. at the best of times. 
you know, in the best of circumstances in a modern day society, your marriage is going to come under pressure. And by having a cross-cultural marriage, you are adding to that pressure. I can testify to that. It increases the pressure that is on the marriage. Uh, you have in-laws who you know may come from a different part of the world, um, and you know then there's some there's, there's travel involved. I'm familiar with that. There there are just cultural differences where you communicate in a different way, mm. and it can be challenging. But if you're in an area of the world where racism is at peak level, and there are areas of the world like that. This would be a really, really bad idea to involve yourself in. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, and so there's been uh, there's been times, and there are still areas in the world where I would strongly recommend against a cross cultural marriage, just because of the pressures that it will place you under, and you know the way it will influence your. Witness to other people. You can you can lose all credibility just because you're involved in a cross cultural marriage in certain parts of the world. Should the should those parts of the world be like that? Absolutely not. Mm. Is the culture that is creating that society wrong? Most definitely, it is. Mm. Does it need to be changed? Absolutely, I get that. But I also get you do have to face a thing called reality. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you can have, be as starry-eyed as you want. You can uh, just sort of be like, as 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 uh, I've lost the word that I'm looking for, but as idealistic as you want isn't going to change things. Mm. It's not going to change reality. Reality is one of those cold things. It just exists. Mm. It doesn't care about you or anyone else. It is just reality. And so, yeah, there's some parts of the world where uh, this would be a bad idea. There are other parts of the world where I think it's a, it's a great idea because it just enriches society. Mm. Um, and Australia is one of those places where I think that uh, there's absolute freedom to have cross-cultural marriages and people uh, do so. And I've, I see so many examples of, uh, you know, great examples of where it's worked really well. Mm. Not without extra pressures. Uh, those extra pressures are always going to be there, no question about that. Um, but you can have cross-cultural marriages, you know, within the same colour, within the same... Uh, ethnic race. Mm. Uh, you can have vastly different cultures. Okay, so getting back to the verses that we're looking at here, uh, the Bible is talking about you know the the descendants being polluted mm. um, by these intermarriages. Now we spoke yesterday a lot about the actual issue mm. here. And the actual issue wasn't race and the issue wasn't culture. The issue was religion. Yes. And I would very, very strongly recommend that nobody, you know, and I, I said a lot about this yesterday, I don't need to repeat myself, um, don't ever, ever, ever get involved in a relationship with somebody who is of a different faith than you. Even though I, I disagree. You can disagree to your heart's content. Yeah. That's because you're 21 and I'm 47 and I've seen it happen like <laughs> oh, okay. a million times. Yeah, well, go I've ahead seen and disagree. It work like once, three times. Oh, so, yay. So, so I'm, I'm holding on to that. And Let I'm... me put my 3,000 times up against your three. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and see how far that gets. Like, I, honestly, like, I do agree with you, though. Yeah, like, yeah I know. I, I fully agree. Like, I'm, it is a very, very, very... I'm going to have people calling up, don't be smashing Lawson. <laughs> it's a very, very rare circumstance, yeah. which which that works. And, obviously, and flirt to convert. Yeah, you know, flirt to convert. It's just... That's a bad idea. It's just an all-round bad idea. You got... <laughs> Oh, man, it's the best. I was talking to a preacher one time, and he was talking about... He, he's a very, very kind of charismatic, very, you know really awesome preacher uh-huh. and he was telling me like yeah i think it's 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 you know when you're doing that work it's really wise to keep you it's about you in that kind of situation being that you're drawing attention to yourself and there could be some people specifically this guy as a guy you know women who can get the wrong idea because you're like you, you know you pay attention to them because you're like oh yeah like i want to give the bible studies i want them to be in the kingdom of heaven and whatnot and there are some girls that can get the wrong idea 
And this preacher said to me one time, and this is like, this is up for debate, I guess. You can think about this. He said, look, Lawson, I think, you know, there's been a few times in my ministry where some girls have smiled at me, you know, in that way. And look, I just smiled at them until I baptized them. Mm, Ooh. <laughs> right. I smiled all the way. This is what he said. He said, I smiled all the way until I led them to the baptism pool. And not in a way that he necessarily like led them on into something, but he wasn't going to just like, just be really gnarly. Ah, I, I can I see. Ooh, oh man. Lyle's ooh. spine is shivering right now. Cringing right okay, now. This is, this is opened a bit of a can of Talk about charismatic preachers. I was listening to a charismatic preacher one time. Made his appeal at the end of the sermon, as you do. People want to give their life to the Lord, come forward. People want to do this, you know, come forward. Appeal had like three or four different aspects of it, and then he makes this appeal. If you're in a relationship with a non-Christian, come forward if you're prepared to break off that relationship today. Oh, that is <laughs> that, was, that is a hectic yep, commitment. Yep, and people came forward for that appeal, and at the end of that appeal, they got off the phone and broke it off. <laughs> It was it was it was hardcore. I mean, there was that just, is amazing. There was people that were just literally weeping because mm. they were in love, but they saved themselves yeah, from a wow. life of pain. Mm. You know, it was yeah. That was that was um, <laughs> whoo yeah. Heavy. Okay, let's go to uh, well. Okay, okay. Before we before we look at these next passages of scripture, we need to ask ourselves this question: um, How do we know that the Bible is not speaking about cross? interracial marriages, but rather speaking about interfaith marriages here. Mm. It's not speaking against interracial marriages. It is speaking against interfaith marriages. Mm. How do we know that's the case? Because just from the reading here, you you would say it's interracial. Obviously, there's some kind of weight of evidence that we need to go and, you know, we need to look at what other passages of the Bible and other biblical examples give us to, to show us, like exactly what's going on. You know, we can't take any passage in isolation in the Bible. And where my mind goes is the Song of Solomon. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yes, With good the, one. The Shulamite. Yeah, because she was a um she was a, a dark skinned girl. Yeah. She was She was not the same race and th- as Solomon. That is literally an inspired Hadn't book. Hadn't thought in, of that one. It's an inspired book in the Bible all about Solomon's love for this particular person. That was good and healthy and is given to us as an example of what of God's love for healthy us. love looks like. Yes. Like so um yeah, that's where my mind goes. I'm like, yeah, okay, of course. Interracial marriages are okay because of the literally the book of love, yeah. like the Song of Solomon is all about an interracial relationship. Nice one. <laughs> well done. That was, wasn't one of the ones I was thinking of, but that's that's absolutely... And when you said that, I'm like, that's not interracial. Oh, yes, it was interracial. <laughs> she was a dark-skinned girl. Mm. Um, all right. Come up with another example. <laughs> Me? Mm. Ooh, uh, mm. Mm, ooh. Think that one through. Okay. Um, Here's where my mind goes. Yeah. Boaz. Oh, yeah, classic. And Ruth. Mm. These were ancestors of Jesus Christ. Yeah. There is an entire book of the Bible dedicated to Ruth, Mm. the Moabite girl, and dedicated to this marriage, which was an interracial marriage. Mm. And then you have Boaz, who is the son of an interracial marriage. Mm. Because his father was a Hebrew and his mother was a Canaanite and his wife was a Moabite. Mm. And their descendant, their grandchild, great-grandchild was King David. Yeah. So King David was a mixed bag of races. (coughs) Mm. He was at least, what, he was more than one quarter Gentile. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And, and, And when you find King David taking... Uh, his family for safekeeping to the country of Moab. There's a reason why, you know. Because he related to them. He had relatives there. Mm. You know, he could take them and say, hey, come and stay with my relatives over here in uh, in, in the land of Moab. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's a story that's often overlooked. That was just, That's a pretty wild story, yeah. you know, because you've got like that breaks all of the social norms right there. You've got an interracial marriage um, of a young girl who's married to a much, much older man and she proposes to him 
in the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, how many social norms does that break oh, right man. there? Even it just the- like smashes them all. It's one of my favorite stories of the Bible because it's just like all these people are like, oh, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to da, 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 and they have this whole formula and everything. And it's like, yeah, okay. And then there's Ruth. And then there's Ruth who just loves the <laughs> yeah, Lord. Just, just blows all of the formulas completely out mm. of the water. Yeah, we're going to come back and maybe talk about a couple more of these uh, examples. Oh, here this is a good one. Yeah, it is. It is. This is Melissa Otto with Moses and Zipporah. Of course, she was an Ethiopian girl. Darling, I will stay with you as you follow God's way. May my heart be an expression of God's own heart for you. Unstoppable truth Let me comfort your heart When the way's rough Lift your head up When you've had enough May I love you With God's heart for you Be beside That was Moses and Zipporah by Melissa Otto here on Faith FM. Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Okay, here we go. In Matthew 11.38, Jesus says, For my blank is easy and my burden is light. Has this one been answered yet? I did see the phone ringing earlier. Oh, it oh, has, has been, been answered. answered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it has been oh, answered. Oh, producer Shell just didn't the answer, tell us. The answer is yoke. You yes. got answered after the last one, so that person gets... Um, that person gets uh, two prizes. Who was the who was the uh, who was the prize winner there? What was the prize winner's name? Gary from Flinders Park. Gary from Flinders Park. Well done, congratulations! And I must say this: I saw the phone ring so quickly after yeah. I gave that last clue. That's true. That this person didn't have time to use Google. Well, I don't know. I don't think they did. I, I think they. I think they knew quick. the answer. I. I, I think they knew what some... Jeremiah put on his neck. I think. People can Google stuff pretty quickly. I think this. I think Gary knew the answer. I think he gets bragging Google rights on Jeremy, this one. Look, we need we need the confirmation. Gary, can you text <laughs> All right, us? Call us back. Nine one zero six four. Let us know six six nine whether you Googled or not. Uh, anyway, um, interesting quote from our twenty million movement Bible study guide. It says, "In this study of the causes leading to the Babylonish captivity." Ezra had learned that Israel's apostasy was largely traceable to their mingling with the heathen nations. He had seen that if they had obeyed God's command to keep separate from the nations surrounding them, they would have been spared many sad and humiliating experiences. Now, when he learned that notwithstanding the lessons of the past, men of prominence 
had dared transgress the laws given as a safeguard against apostasy, his heart was stirred within him. He thought of God's goodness in again giving his people a foothold in their native land, and he was overwhelmed with righteous indignation and with grief at their ingratitude. Wow. Hmm. Pretty strong observation right there, but pretty true. This was what exactly what was happening, and Ezra was seeing it happen. What's interesting about this is that I think often we look at the leadership of uh, you know whatever church it is that we belong to and think that they are you know they're going to do the right thing. Mm. We think that they always here we find will. that they always will. Mm. Here we find that is not the case. Mm. There were priests. There were Levites. This had actually become a surprisingly common thing. It was almost normalized within mm. Judah at this particular time. And it was setting Judah up for a tremendous amount of heartache. Mm. Yeah, a bit of a problem here. Okay, um, <clears throat> before we come back to that, um, we did mention that our last song was uh, Moses and Zipporah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Moses was married to an Ethiopian girl from Midian. Um, and we mentioned this yesterday, whose father, Jethro, was a priest of God. Mm. And so, yes, this was very much an interracial marriage. He was an olive-skinned Mediterranean Hebrew person. She was a dark-skinned Ethiopian person. Um, so, yeah, and, of course, um, when Lawson was in Ethiopia, he broke a lot of Ethiopian young girls' hearts while he was over there. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Just have to throw that in there. That's, that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do, eh, Lawson? Yeah. It's hard to be humble, isn't it? It's, it's, hard. it's just hard. Look, you know what they say. <laughs> Smile until they get baptized. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not even good. That's just terrible idea. <laughs> this is the worst advice I've ever heard on Faith FM, I think. It's like, what on earth? Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, um, any other examples that we can think of? Ooh, racking my brain. Ruth, Ruth and Moses have always been my go-tos for this particular mm. subject. I'm sure there are other significant examples in the Probably Bible. one of Solomon's wives. Yeah, well, no, we're not going <laughs> to... Okay, Solomon's wives are an example of what not to do because his queen was an Egyptian. So yeah. um, with the kings of those days, they would have a harem of wives, but they would have one wife who would be the number one wife and who would... Um, who would, you know, be the, uh, um, what should we say, the, the the one who would bear the son who would take over from the king. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that his wife was an Egyptian girl. That was set up as a way of building an alliance with Egypt. And it was a terrible idea because she and then his subsequent wives turned his heart away from God. Mm. Uh, there is another interracial marriage that's worth considering, and that is... Uriah and Bathsheba. Hmm. So Uriah was a Hittite. So he came from Turkey. Yes. That's kind of unusual um, in that kind of a situation. And yeah, the Bible doesn't ascribe any sin to Bathsheba. So, you know. Oh, I got a good one. Yeah. Even though this could be interpreted a different way, but I'm going to say this is a really good one. And and I would say this in the case of Uriah, let me just Uriah the Hittite. This was a man who was clearly a worshipper of God. Oh, yeah. So this is interracial, but not interfaith. And that mm. is the key right here. Okay. But, oh, are you ready to have your mind blown? Mm. Okay. An interracial, interfaith marriage saved the nation of Israel. Oh, I know where you've just gone with this one. Okay. Between Artaxerxes and Esther. This is the exception. This is the ultimate exception. We, you do not use the exception as the rule. Yeah, but it still happened. You so use I'm the gonna... exception as the rule. <laughs> you are going to... And, and this is what happens is people take the exception, they make it the rule and they use it as excuse to do whatever they want. <laughs> I'm still going to use it though because it's in the Bible. <laughs> and of course, the amazing story of Esther, how God used Esther as an instrument to basically save the entire Jewish nation after a death decree was put out on all of them. And, he, and basically because of their, their marriage, you know, 
the Jewish people were able to be armed while they were being attacked, and they didn't die during the Persian captivity. So, well, maybe maybe Ahasuerus was a worshiper of God. Uh, it's not outside the realms of possibility. Mm. Cyrus is a very, very good indication that Cyrus, I mean, he's a type of Jesus Christ in the Bible, mm. a symbol of Jesus Christ. And I kind of wonder, when I, particularly when I read what Cyrus said about, you know, God has told me to do this. He's not saying the gods or one of the gods. He's saying God told me to build mm. a, a temple in Jerusalem. And the guy is a type or a symbol of Jesus Christ. It, it kind of makes you wonder, you know what? Uh, maybe this person gave their life to God. We underestimate just how much influence the knowledge of God had in Persia. I mean, the Magi Awfully. come from come from. Uh, I'm going to say from Persia because they're Magi, and the word Magi is a Persian word, and oh, they come they from the east, and they didn't Psalms, come from Spain, which is in the west. They come from Tarshish. No, it doesn't say that they come from Tarshish. That is eisegesis and not exegesis. <laughs> come on. Um, this is a Lawson, personal Lawson is just little the, the heretic theory that we're having, yeah. that we're going on about. So I'm going to speculate. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Calls me out for eisegesis. Speculate. <laughs> I'm going to speculate. Anyway, um, yeah, you don't use the exception. You know, mm. whatever, whatever way it is, you just do not use the exception as the rule. It's a terrible idea. Fully. And Lawson <laughs> need to be rebuked today for not... Ouch. Oh, I'm feeling so convicted. Yes. So you should be. <laughs> okay, so we've got a bunch of other verses to look at here. Um, but we're kind of out of time at the moment. And I think we've pretty much covered this subject of interfaith uh, marriages. Well, actually, you know, Ezra chapter 10, we've got a whole chapter on it, dealing mm. with it again tomorrow. Ezra was a little bit more diplomatic than what uh, Nehemiah was. He pulled out his own beard. Yeah, well, you'll have to wait for tomorrow to find out. Right now, we're going to listen to Sanctus Real with Lead Me. I look around and see my wonderful life Almost perfect from the outside In picture frames I see my beautiful wife always smiling, but on the inside, oh, I can hear her saying, lead me with strong hands, stand up when I can't, don't leave me, hungry for love, chasing
is Lucas. I go to Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Church. We would love to have you join us on a Saturday at 10 o'clock for a Sabbath school kids program and then the main service at 11.30. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church Warrigal. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. 
Welcome back, guys. That was Peter Hollands with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel uh, from the Hollands Family Christmas album. Mm. Lawson. Yes. Question of the day. Okay. Question. We're starting to get a bit of a backlog here, but we will be working our way through these over the next couple of days. So do not send, stop sending your questions through. Mm. Just because we don't get to them straight away, we will eventually get there. Uh, so what is our question of the day today? Our question of the day is... What is the difference between the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6 and the sons of God in Job chapter 1? Ah, that's a really good question. I like this one. Okay, so the difference is location, location, location. As any good real estate person says. That's right. Absolutely. That's the difference between the two. So in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of all which they chose and that became a big problem for God's people. I'm paraphrasing the rest of the chapter. Mm. Um, And so who were the sons of God and who were the daughters of men? The sons of God have always been described as those who are a part of the godly line, if you want to call it that way. Uh, But sons sons and daughters of God in the Bible have always been um, here on this earth, have always been followers of God. Uh, to give you an example of that, and of course there's no verse anywhere in Scripture to indicate anything other than that. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Okay, to, to, to create anything else out of that passage other than uh, the sons of God being the godly people um, is to step outside of Scripture. However, in Job chapter 1, we have a reference to the sons of God. And so we turn over to Job chapter 1 and their location is very different. Therefore, they are a very different category altogether again. So let's go over to Job chapter 1. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Here it goes. Job chapter 1, and here we will read verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also amongst them. And the Lord said to Satan, where did you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Love the old KJV on that verse. Clearly, these sons of God are not on earth. Hmm. These sons of God are in heaven, in the throne room of heaven, where there is a gathering of sons of God in front of that particular throne room and where Satan turns up because for some reason he believes that he has the right to do so. Hmm. So we need to look for another category of the sons of God in the Bible. The Bible does give you one other category. Now, we're not talking about the Son of God. I hope you understand that. The Son of God is Jesus Christ. That's different. We're talking about the sons of God. And so the two categories that the Bible gives you for the sons of God is, number one, we've already mentioned it, converted human beings are sons and daughters of God. First mm. John 3, that's clear. And so on earth, that is the case. This passage is not taking place on earth. In the Bible, you can read the genealogy of Jesus. You can read it in Matthew chapter 1. You can read it in Luke chapter 3, I think it is. And it will work back through the, through the genealogy of Jesus. And let me just see if I can find you for you very quickly what the Bible says about 
the genealogy of Jesus. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 38, it's working backwards here. It says, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. What did the Bible just say about Adam? He's the son of God. Okay, let's think about this then for a moment. Why was Adam the son of God? Adam was the son of God, not in the way that Jesus is the son of God. He was the son of God by creation, and as such, he was the head of the human race. Mm. And so when you've got a sons of gathering of the sons of God in heaven, they're the gathering of the various races throughout the universe. Adam should have been there. He's not there because he's dead because of sin, and so Satan thinks he can take his place. Different category, different location. God alone But sometimes I still try to take control Cause I get scared when I can't see the end And all you want from me is to let go Your parting waters making a Scott and the Scott family, you listen to Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show, which means mm. that we're going to give something away. And of course, this week is Week of Prayer for Rain, and of course, Week of Prayer for our fireys as well, mm. particularly on catastrophic days like today here in New South Wales. Um, and along with that, Lawson, we have a book to give away. We're going to be giving away books this week about prayer. Mm. What have you got for us today, Okay, Lawson? so this book is called The Incredible Power of Prayer. Um, something that we can never talk about too much is how powerful prayer is. This is a book by Roger Morneau. Um, he's a, he's a rather renowned author talking to, talked about a lot of 
things. Um, he's, yeah, basically this book is an amazing book. Uh, it's, you know, just all about how, you know, Roger Morneau himself, he receives thousands of letters every year requesting intercessory prayer um, for, you know, people writing in saying, hey, I've got this issue in my life, pray for me. Um, and he shares the way that God has answered those prayers, the way that um, people have been incredibly blessed, not because necessarily Roger Morneau is praying, but because someone is praying. Absolutely. And God can do an amazing work through prayer. So please give us a call, 1-800-324-843, um, and you will get this book completely for free. Absolutely. And we would love you to join us in this week of prayer for mm. rain and prayer for our fireys. Uh, we are in a critical place in Australia right now. We can thank God that the Horn of Africa is getting the rain that we're supposed to be getting. At least they're not starving to death. But at the same time, it would be great if the rain could be shared around a little bit. Mm. Anyway, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, and act faith. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds Watch our keeping Helpless and hungry Lowly afraid Wrapped in the chill of midwinter Comes now among us Born into poverty's embrace New life for the world this who lives with the lonely, sharing their sorrows, knowing their hunger. This is Christ revealed to the world in the eyes of a child, a child of the poor. What Strangers here in our midst, looking for shelter among us. Who is outcast? We see amidst the the children of God. Who is this? Who is this? Christ is filled to bring in the eyes of the child, a child of the So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, compassionate king to Frightened heart, fear not. Here is your God.